Let us turn in God's Word this morning to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. We will read here the first 14 verses. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. As far as we read God's holy and inerrant words, may God add his blessing upon the reading of the Holy Scriptures. The text that God gives to us to consider this morning is the 13th verse of Romans chapter 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we saw last week, Sunday night, the necessity of prayer as one prepares to come to the table of the Lord. We looked last week at Ephesians chapter 6, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication. And we noted that we are to offer unto God every type or every form of prayer. We are, according to the verse, to pray always with all prayer. And all could be translated as every or every form of prayer. So we give unto God prayers of adoration. Prayers of confession. Prayers of thanksgiving. And prayers of supplication. Where we make request unto Him. But how broad are each one of these particular categories as well? Even the category of supplication. Who could possibly exhaust the number of things for which we as Christians are to petition God? We pray to God about His kingdom about His church, His covenant. We pray to God for the needs of families, the elderly, the young. We pray to God asking Him for wisdom, for strength. So many different things for which we make supplication to God. But did you, throughout this past week, ask God for joy? Did I ask God for joy? For that internal emotion of well-being, of rejoicing, and God's goodness unto us. When we think of the list of things for which we could make supplication, is joy one of the things that we ask of God? I confess it's not something that immediately comes to my mind when I think of things for which we ought to pray. And yet the apostle prayed for this, made supplication for this on behalf of God's churches. Now the God of hope, he prays in the 13th verse, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's consider this verse this morning under the theme, A Prayer to be Filled with Joy. We'll consider first that this is a bold petition that we ask of God. And then second, see the assured confidence that God hears and answers this prayer. 
The petition that we with the inspired Apostle Paul make this morning is that the God of hope would fill you. You refers to the Gentiles in the context here. He's been speaking about how the Gentiles have been incorporated into God's covenant, God's church. You and I are these Gentiles Praise now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. A bold petition that he makes here. He makes no small request. He does not say now, would the God of hope grant unto you some joy and some peace in believing that you might incrementally grow in hope, gradually increase in your expectation of a future good. That's not what he asks for here. But he uses absolute, strong language in the petition. The God of hope fill you, not partially, but completely Fill you. May He fill you not just with some joy, but with all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope. This is a petition that the sorrowful, the downcast, the overwhelmed, individual hardly even dares to make. The person who is so overwhelmed with the trials and the hardships and the responsibilities of this earth hardly even dares to hope for joy anymore. Perhaps this individual testifies within himself or herself, I've learned better than to hope, set my expectations on being filled with joy. If I set my expectations that high, that God would fill me with joy, then certainly I'm going to be disappointed. It's just setting myself up for failure, for greater hurt. If I expect such lofty, heavenly gifts to be granted unto me. Perhaps an individual is like Peter. Peter fished all night long. Experienced fisher, knew just where to cast the net at just the right time to fish. Fished all night long, didn't catch anything. Comes back in the next morning. Jesus gets on the boat with him. And Jesus says, cast your nets again. And Peter's thinking to himself, this isn't going to work. I know better. I've learned from my own experience not to hope 
that at this time of the day, after having fished all night and nothing was caught, to expect that now, now at this time that the net is going to be filled with fish. Perhaps we are like Peter. I've gone through so many hardships, so many disappointments, so many griefs and sorrows of heart that, that I know better than to expect that God is going to fill my heart with joy and with peace. Joy. It's the opposite of fear. The person who is fearful, anxious, is not the joyful person. The angel of the Lord who came to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. He understood and testified of the difference between fear and joy. Fear not, he said. For behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy. Fear seeks to drive joy away. Fear would so occupy one's mind that all they can think about are the what-if scenarios. What if this bad thing happens? What if this evil thing occurs? Joy. And then peace. He asks for as well in this prayer, peace. It's the opposite of enmity. The opposite of division. The removal of strife. Would we even dare to hope for that? Some might try to justify their absence of hope for peace in God's Word. Say, because of the Word of God, I don't dare hope for peace anymore. After all, did not God say in Genesis 3, verse 15, and that mother promised that I'm going to put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman? So after all, if God promised that there's going to be enmity on this earth for as long as the church remains in a broken creation, then who am I to hope for peace anymore? I might as well just grit my teeth and bear up under the fact that there is going to be enmity and division and schism and conflict on this earth. Peace. Do we dare hope for it? This is a bold request that we with the apostle make. And the boldness of this request has it not become all the more evident to us throughout the week of self-examination? Who 
after having examined himself all week, now has the audacity to go into the presence of the thrice holy God and say, God, fill me with joy and with peace. If anything, the week of self-examination could lead us to the opposite conclusion. For throughout this week, we have stood before the law of God. We have seen what Jehovah Himself demands of His covenant people. And that law as we stand before it is like a mirror. And as we look in that mirror and see the reflection of ourselves, we're ashamed and we're embarrassed at how far short we have fallen of that mark. Now we're going to ask for joy and peace. And it's not just embarrassment that we feel. You see, even the man of the world has a sense of embarrassment over wrongdoings. Even the man of the world, when he's caught, Performing some sinful deed, stealing, breaking tax laws, abusing, hurting others. Even the man of the world has a certain sense of embarrassment and shame over deeds that he has committed. But for the Christian, it's more. It's not just embarrassment, but it's guilt. It is a deep sense of shame that I have broken the holy laws of God. And because of that, I deserve to be separated from the holy God. And to live apart from God is death. That's what I deserve. Who dares now to ask for joy and peace? Then as well, this is a bold request when when we compare joy to the other blessings that God gives unto us His people? Is it not the case that oftentimes we judge joy to be of lesser importance than other blessings that God grants unto His people? We are to take all of the blessings or graces that God bestows upon us and then rank those blessings in order of importance. Where would we rank joy? Is it not the case that when we think of that which is needful, necessary for us as Christians, that we would rank other blessings perhaps as being more important than that of joy? Justification, yes. We need justification. 
Faith, yes, we need faith, for man is justified by faith. Holiness, yes, we need holiness, for without holiness, no man shall see God. But joy, it's a nice extra blessing if God is pleased to give it. But is that one of the primary blessings for which we would dare to go into the presence of God and ask Him for it? Jesus taught His disciples to pray for bread. He didn't teach them to ask for butter on their bread. Is that the way we view joy? It's the butter on the bread. I dare to ask for other things because those are essential, but I don't really dare ask for joy because that's it's kind of an unnecessary blessing. Is that the way we view joy? The apostle did not, certainly did not hide away from asking for this blessing. But he said, filled with the Holy Spirit, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The confidence that we have, the assured confidence we have, as we join with the Apostle in making this petition, is that God not only hears, but God also answers this prayer. And in His tender kindness, He gives unto us joy. Two different ways in which the text speaks of the manner God gives us this gift of joy. First of all, He gives it by faith. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Right away, He teaches here the way in which the Christian receives this heavenly blessing from God. It is in believing. One cannot separate joy from faith. Joy and faith are inseparable. The joyful person is the believing person, and the believing person is the joyful person. Someone might ask, what is the secret to having joy? Perhaps he sees, observes in another individual that this person oftentimes has a joyful, optimistic outlook on life. That this individual is not easily discouraged. That this individual, even though that individual has burden after burden, hardship after hardship, countless thorns in the flesh, yet that individual still is characterized as a joyful individual. So someone might ask, what is the secret? How do you live such a joyful life? Beloved, it really is no secret. For the Word of God teaches us 
how one is given joy. Joy comes in believing, in faith. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. is believing it's the opposite of works is it not faith throughout the scriptures is set over against works it's what our reformed fathers fought and stood for we are saved we are justified by faith not by works And now is not that the case in your and my life with regards to joy? How do we receive this gift of joy? It is not by our works. And is that not oftentimes the mistake that we think? We think that we have to work for joy. I have to become a better person. And then I will be joyful. I have to improve in this area or category of my life. And then I can have that internal state of joy within me. And so we strive and we work with the best of our efforts to try to be better people. But then does it leave us feeling any happier than what we were yesterday? best of our works are as dirty rags. Even the holiest of men have but a small beginning. And try though we might to cling tightly onto joy in our life, it's as if the harder that we strain our muscles trying to cling onto joy, the more joy slips out of our reach. Joy comes not by works, but by faith. May God fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The strength of faith is the object of one's faith. Whom do you believe? Believe in a weak individual and you will not have much joy. Believe in a strong, gracious, benevolent person and you will be filled with joy. The object of our faith is none other than the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. He who is God of gods, He who is pure light, And in Him there is no darkness at all. He who is the Word incarnate, who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth, He who came down from His heavenly abode and who lived among men in order to suffer and die on the cross, He who delivers His people from their transgressions, He is the object of our faith. 
And it is, beloved, in believing Jesus Christ that God gives unto you and me joy. A joy that is not based on the circumstances of my life being the way that I want them to be, but a joy that believes that God is working all things for the good of His people through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Joy in believing. And then secondly, how do we know, how do we have an assured confidence that God hears and answers this petition? It's by His Spirit. By the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's how the verse concludes. That ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit, is He not the source of joy? He is the comforter, the promised comforter that Jesus assured His disciples that He would grant unto them. It is by the operations of the Holy Spirit within our hearts that we are given this joy from on high. Even in this morning as we come to the Lord's table and we partake of the meat, the bread, and the drink, the wine, we receive these in a spiritual manner. We cleave. Not to the external bread and wine, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we receive the bread and the wine as signs and seals of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Spirit gives to us joy. A joy that for the child of God oftentimes is indescribable. So hard to define even what joy is. But it's something that when we have it in our hearts, we know it. We sense it. We're thankful for it. Joy. Knowing that I belong unto Jesus Christ. Joy. And knowing that I am part of the body of my Lord and Savior. Peace. And knowing that I am one with God. May God fill us in this morning with that joy. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, may we always look unto Jesus, who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, that He might redeem unto Himself the people whom Thou hadst given 
unto Him. Receive our worship. Fill us with the gift of joy. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.